All right, welcome in episode 160, Hot Crits Podcast. I'm Travis Jadon. Guess what, boys and girls? New title sponsor alert for the Hot Grits Podcast. The come up just keeps on coming up. Midtown Sports Grill, 4521 Habersham Street. Midtown Sports Grill, not one of those weird places that spells grill with an E at the end. No E at the end, folks. Good sports, great food. Uh, you'll be hearing a lot about them over the next few months as they are partnering with us here on Hawkers Podcast. Check them out in person, 4521 Habersham Street. Call ahead, 912-349-6350. You can get your to-go orders by calling that number, Daily Lunch Specials. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, especially Instagram and Facebook, uh, because they'll post those Daily Lunch Specials. And I'm talking about, this is like real good food, folks. It's a sports bar with you know 15 to 20 TVs. Uh, they got music, live music on Wednesdays, trivia on Thursdays, and sports on all of the days. Uh, they also have, during high school football, we'll be talking a lot about Midtown because they show a lot of the BC games. Um, they show all of the Georgia Southern games. So not just the primary sports, Sunday ticket on Sundays for the NFL as well. Midtown Sports Grill on Facebook and Instagram um, for more information on that. MidtownSportsGrill.com is the website. Go on there if you want to learn more about how they kind of got started. The place is right there in Habersham Village. For those in Savannah, you'll be familiar familiar with Habersham Village, um, kind of right by Barbaritos, Jones Red and White, the Rite Aid, uh, all that stuff there. So if you go, tell them that the Hot Grits podcast sent you and they will give you a little perk. Uh, that's all I can tell you about that. You'll have to tell them that you heard their ad on the Hot Grits podcast and they will hook it up. Seven days a week, folks. 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. is the kitchen. Um, 11 a.m. to midnight for the bar. Like I said, daily lunch specials, nightly sports, trivia on Tuesdays. I think I said Thursdays. Trivia on Thursdays, music on Wednesdays. Again, all of this online, MidtownSportsGrill.com. Um, you can also place to-go orders by calling 349-6350, as well as www.SavannahBarFood.com. Midtown Sports Grill, welcome aboard. All right, let's get after it for 160th time. Hot Crips Podcast. I hate LeBron James. When God created Adam and Eve, the next thing he did was yell at the referee. But first, some sports. All right, welcome in episode 160 of the Hot Reds podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, season 8, episode 20. Closing out season 8. Uh, as we do, we do 20 episode seasons. 20 episodes per season. 
Uh, the seasons mean absolutely nothing, as do the episodes. But for what it's worth, we're about to complete our eighth season of podcasting here. I believe that puts us uh, eligible for um, retirement rights in the podcasting game. I think uh, we get uh, all kinds of benefits, maybe a parking spot coming our way soon. Who knows? Who knows? Been at it for a while, though. 160 episodes. Thankfully, we have a title sponsor here on the Hot Reds podcast now, Midtown Sports Girl. You guys just heard about that before the episode started. Really thankful to those guys over there. They're sort of new, um, about six months old over there in Habersham Village. But uh, since Coach's Corner and everything that went down with that uh, situation back in February, um, you know, with Coach's Corner and PSR sort of dropping off, uh, we, you know, I've sort of just been doing this without a title sponsor. Thankfully, we've had people like John Carr, you know, stay on board. The Lady and Sons joined up. Um, and then you guys that support the show through Anchor Support, uh, you can do that a dollar a month. $5 a month or $10 a month. Um, and that link is at the bottom of the show notes here, wherever you're listening to this. But really thankful for Midtown Sports Grill. We're going to be doing a lot with them over the next six months. Sort of the same thing that we were doing over at Coach's Corner. Uh, if you go in, uh, they'll give you a discount if you tell them the Hot Grits podcast sent you. So super thankful for them. Go check them out. Um, sort of a new chapter here on HGP. Uh, we were with Coach's Corner from 2020, you know, from October 2020 through January 23. So that's sort of a long run here. Um, so, I, you know, I'm hoping that Midtown will, you know, like being a part of this, will understand being a part of this. Uh, but, you know, nothing will change from the listener's point of view. Just wanted to point you guys towards Midtown and tell you all that, you know, they are – what they, you know, they reached out to me wanting to be a part of Hot Grits podcast. So you guys, you know, I would hope would return the favor um, and check them out if you're in Savannah, in the Midtown area, for sports, food, music, trivia, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All right, now on to the episode. We're going to start kind of in, in a sorrowful place, but we need to address it right off the rip. The name of this podcast, after all, is Hot Grits podcast. So every year around this time, we're going to talk about one camouflage. Uh, camouflage was killed 20 years ago this Friday, May 19th, 2003. Uh, you know, and his legacy in this city is kind of hard to explain to those who don't, who didn't grow up here, uh, to those who don't, you know, understand or appreciate hip hop's value um, or hip hop in terms of its societal impact. But Jason Johnson, AKA Camouflage, was not only a Savannah icon, um, but his life, even though he was gunned down at the age of 21, changed this city forever. We can talk for days and months and years about how he changed it, how dramatically he changed it, you know, where he kind of slots in in terms of Savannah entertainment icons uh, you know i'd put him right up there near the top but he was gunned down 20 years ago as a 21 year old with his life ahead of him uh, but the 21 years that he was on this earth changed savannah forever his murder that's still unsolved his potential still untapped 
But his influence, well, that's still as alive as ever. You certain people, you could look at him and tell he was destined to be somebody. Yeah, he was one of those people. You just was destined to be somebody. We was caught in a moment, so we were just riding the wave. We were so close until everybody was about to be straight, not only financially, but career-wise. But May 19th came. On May 19th, rapper Camouflage was gunned down. It was down the worst. It was, the, it was still to this day probably the saddest day in Savannah. The saddest. Camouflage friends and fans stunned. Come on, Nick. Let's drive. Something happens in Savannah, nobody talks about it. As soon as one crab reaches the top of the barrel, there's another crab holding on to his legs and pulls it back down. Man, if there's anybody who loved Savannah, it was him. Anybody who loved the projects, it was him. Loved it. To a degree I never understand. He is Savannah 110%. He was the face of Savannah. There was not another rapper that represented the hood and real life like Camouflage. Uh, to be honest with you, he was really the first rapper to ever put Savannah on the map. And now, 20 years later, his daughter, Flage Johnson, the star basketball player at LSU, is doing the same thing, taking her father's you know, legacy and building upon it. She's building uh, and putting Savannah on the map. Flage, uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of talk around her uh, after LSU's national title win. And I think a lot of people got turned on to camouflage outside of this city, at least because of her rise on the basketball court. Um, you know, and I, I think camouflage impacted everyone differently. You know, the chances are that if you're an old Caucasian person listening to this, camouflage did not impact you dramatically. You may not even know who he is, who he was. But I can tell you, as an 11-year-old white kid in Savannah at the time of his murder, it's, it's a before and after moment for me. It's not as if before camouflage died, I was, as a 10-year-old middle-class kid, Again, white in Savannah. Uh, I wasn't jamming camouflage strictly for the streets. You know, I wasn't tuned into Pure Pain Studios. I I wasn't alerted to that yet. I had an older sister who was in high school at the time. So she was obviously listening to, you know, hip hop at the time, you know, in the early 2000s. But after his death, it sparked my interest because I saw the impact that it had on my sister, all of her friends. Um, you know, I remember seeing it on the news. I still have the Savannah Morning News front page from the following day. It just said camouflage, comma, shot, killed. And it just shows, uh, you know, the studio out in front of Pure Pip. But, the, you know, the impact was real. It was before and after for me, before camouflage was shot. And after, because after he was shot, I saw the impact it had. And this is, you know, again, this is before YouTube, 
I can't just go look up who Camouflage was and start listening to his music. I'm also only 11. So I don't, you know, no smartphones, no car, no internet. I was sort of dependent on my older sister. So that's how I heard Camouflage for the first time. But after his death, I did everything I could. I tried as hard as I could to get to Best Buy and to underage purchase a hip-hop album. Whatever the thing on the hip-hop row was at Best Buy, whatever the number one trending or the number one selling album was, I was going to get it. But remember those little explicit labels? Some of you may not remember this. They used to have CDs that had explicit labels. And sometimes they would like not sell them to minors because you had to be at least 17, I think. Camouflage's songs certainly required uh, an explicit label on the front of it. But they weren't selling that in Best Buy either, I don't think at the time. And so I did. I made it to Best Buy uh, probably a few months later. And I don't remember who, who I was with, what friend I was with and what parents I was with, but it certainly wasn't mine. But I bought my first ever hip hop album directly related to Camouflage's death. That's why. That album, by the way, Get Rich or Die Trying, 50 Cent. They say you a wankster, but you ain't got a gun. That was a bopper. Into Club. Yep. First hip hop album I ever bought, 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying. And it all sparked from Camouflage's death and the impact around me just as an 11-year-old white boy. I, I, like Even I could tell, damn, this dude's different. This dude was different. There must be something to this hip-hop thing. So my life wasn't the same after. 20 years later, his murder still unsolved. Uh, his family's life dramatically changed forever. This city's life changed forever. And I guess we'll never know what he could have been. But 20 years on Friday, May 19th, marks the anniversary, the 20-year anniversary of Camouflage's death. Uh, in honor of that, I'll give you a top four camo songs for me. Favorite camo song outside of Hot Grits, of course. Ain't nobody gonna rip like me, flip like me, spit like me. All right, top four, four, Raised in the Ghetto. Three, Fuck Friends, aka Cut Friends. Two, Murder Was the Case. And my number one favorite camouflage song, No Love. Raised in the Ghetto, Fuck Friends, Murder Was the Case, and No Love. R.I.P. Flage, dead 20 years ago on Friday. Poverty, man. You know, it's a lot of poverty. And that's why it's a lot of jacking, and that's why it's a lot of robberies and car thefts and all that, because of poverty. That, you know what I'm saying? They ain't giving us nothing to get ahead down here. So all these young cats out here who ain't never been to high school and all they know is the streets, they struggle, you know? And when the drought come around, it's a lot of murders, it's a lot of robberies, you know, and it's a lot of violence out here in these streets, man. So definitely it's the poverty, lack of everything. Don't judge the book by its cover because I'm a hardworking man, you know? They pull me over, they just be practicing searching, you know, putting the dogs on me. So it's just like, if you doing what you doing, they shouldn't be bothering you, you know what I'm saying? If you coming down the street, let's say 25 and you doing 50, 
And they got a reason to harass you, cool, but don't just pick on you because you on 22s like me, you know what I'm saying? And you got a pretty color paint job like me, you know what I'm saying? Or you just a hot boy with a mouth full of gold teeth, you know what I'm saying, like me. But uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like they should give everybody a fair opportunity. Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a man by the car that he drive or the clothes that he wear, uh, his appearance, you know what I'm saying? Because a man could be doing anything. He could be have more money than you, you know what I'm saying, on a whole nother level. Look at, look at Master P, you know what I'm saying? So that's the way the game go, man. They need to just stop judging a book by its cover. Give a brother a chance at you. All right, so we're remembering camouflage this week. Uh, the audio there, by the way, courtesy of Flage's documentary about her dad on YouTube. So check that out if you haven't already. But transitioning to sports now. Monday night, Atlanta 12, Texas 0. The Braves blasted the Rangers in the Lone Star State. Five two-run home runs by the Atlanta Braves. Ties a major league record. Uh, I think it was 2019, the last time that it happened. Uh, Oakland Athletics were the team that did it. And funny enough, Matt Olson and Sean Murphy were two of the players on that team that hit two-run home runs that day for the Athletics. Neither player hit a two-run homer on Monday night for the Braves, but that's okay. They didn't need it. Old Chuck Morton continued his hot stretch. He lowered his ERA to 2.85. He's 5-3. and three. He's got five quality starts in eight outings this season. Um, he has he had 10 Ks on Monday night. He has, let's see, he has 27, let's see, 7, 6, 13. He's got 23 Ks. 23 punchies in three May starts. He had 26 in five April starts. Pretty good. Pretty good for old Chuck. 2.85 Ernie, like I said. That'll do. That'll do just fine. With the win, Atlanta snapped a four-game losing streak. Um, they were blasted in Toronto. I mean, they were beaten bad up north. Uh, we'll talk more about Toronto in a second. Um, but the Braves winning on Monday allowed them to avoid a five-game losing streak. They are still the only team in Major League Baseball to have not lost five straight games since the start of 2018. In that same stretch, so since opening day 2018, the Braves have never lost five straight. They are 122-83 and 83 against left-handed starters. Roughly 60% against left-handed starters since the start of 2018. So pretty damn good. The five two-run homers. And I should say that the Rangers started a lefty on, on Monday. Uh, guys, here's an idea. If you are an opposing team against the Atlanta Braves, don't do two things. Don't start a left-handed pitcher. Okay, don't start a guy making his major league debut because it has not gone well. Since 2000, 34 pitchers have now made their debuts in a game against the Atlanta Braves. They are now 7-17 with a 70 RA. The team's uh, in those games, in those 24 games, are 13 and 21 against the Atlanta Braves. 
Hello. You can't start a young kid against this lineup. This kid Bradford on Monday night came into the game for Texas. He was leading the Texas League AAA in every pitching category imaginable. How about this? He had a .092 ERA. .09. And the Braves got after that ass. Pilar, Acuna, Arcia, Riley, Ozuna. Pilar, Acuna, Arcia, Riley, Ozuna with the two-run homers on Monday night for Atlanta. Uh, we'll go player by player in a second, but stats update quickly. Braves now 7-8 and eight versus the American League. They're in the midst of a 14-game American League stretch, so 14 straight American League clubs. Um, and right now the Braves are one game under 500 versus the AL. The win on Monday was the first win of the season against the AL West for Atlanta. They got Seattle coming up this weekend in Atlanta. So they'll have more games versus the AL West. But you'll remember they got swept early on by the Astros at home. So, that you know, they were 0-3 before that. Uh, so heading into Tuesday's game against the Rangers, the Braves 7-8 and versus the American League, 16-6 and on the road. They're 22-1 and when scoring five or more runs. And the one loss came in Toronto with a blown save. More on that in a second. The Braves are now 7-1 and in series openers on the road. That is crazy. 10-4 versus left-handed pitchers. 25-7 when hitting a home run. And they're 8-6 in the month of May. Braves made another error on Monday night. Michael Harris, who, by the way, got a hit on Monday, just like every single player in the Braves lineup. Every player in the Braves lineup got a hit on Monday. Let's get them to do that every time. That'd be sick. But Michael Harris uh, made an error on Monday, and it was the Braves' 28th error of the season. That's third most in the majors. Third most in the majors. Now, why would I tell you that? It's because, like I always say, defense don't matter. It don't matter. The team that makes the fewest errors is likely to win the game, any individual game, but over a stretch of a season. And, of course, like in the playoffs, you have to have good defense to win. But in order to make the playoffs, in order to win the division, you don't need a good, a good defense. You can actually be one of the three worst defenses in baseball. If you're going by the Braves and if you're just going by errors made and you can still be really good. So 28 errors, that's kind of shocking. A lot of them, it seems like have been throwing. Is it just me that, that feels that way? seems like a lot of the errors have been throwing errors. Again, doesn't matter. Uh, let's update the... Fangrass odds with the Braves at 26 and 15 overall. 98% postseason odds, 88% chance to win the division, 84% chance to earn a buy in the playoffs, and a 19.7% chance to win the World Series. Like I said, the Braves were coming off of four straight losses. They'd gotten swept in a really strange Toronto series. Uh, they've now lost nine straight against the Blue Jays, by the way. 
uh, the the fly ball struggles in Toronto w- were agonizing. Blown saves, the bullpen in Toronto, brutal. Tough series all the way around. But this that's this is what a good team does. They avoid the five, six, seven game losing streaks. Get back on the wagon. And Snicker said that, uh, you know, Monday night after the game, he said, "quote We needed this." End quote. Not often you hear him say stuff like that in the middle of May. I've heard comps to the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks season or the Arizona Diamondbacks series last year. You know, the famous meeting. Um, I don't know if it was this early in the year or not, but I I think it was closer to the All-Star break, actually. But um, the Braves getting back to their winning ways against the first-place Texas team. Like, Texas is good. I called that at the beginning of the season. I mean, Texas is one game worse than the Braves. They're 25 and 16. So, I mean, and, and I should say this. I should say this. The Rangers are, are not as good as the Braves. The record is as good as the Braves. Early, still early, folks. Don't forget that. Braves are going to try to win a series with the Rangers. For the first time since 2003, Strider on Wednesday, the Braves have announced that Jared Schuster will start Tuesday night at 8.05 against Dane Dunning. So if the Braves can win that behind Schuster, they will have won their first series against the Rangers since 2003. 20 years. Holy hell. 20 years. Mm, mm, mm. All right, back to the bullpen. Oh, I wanted, let's let's talk a little more about Serrano. Hold on. Um, nine straight losses against the Blue Jays. Twenty twenty one Atlanta team were Owens. The Braves were zero and six against the Blue Jays, and they won the World Series. How about that? How about that, folks? So maybe, maybe the Braves know what they're doing. Lose to the Blue Jays. Win the World Series. That's the formula, folks. Um, What about this quote from the young, handsome Babe Ruth, Austin Riley? Who, by the way, homered on Monday night, but still, the the Braves got to get him. They got to get him going at some point in the middle of this lineup, especially with Olsen kind of struggling a little bit. (laughs) Listen to this quote from young, handsome Babe Ruth. After uh, after the Braves let, leave Toronto Sunday afternoon, quote, there's no panic. You've just got to swallow it, end quote. And to that, Austin Riley, I would say, pause, sus, pause, sus, pause, sus. The flaws on this Braves team are, for the most part, sloppy, for the most part, lack of focus, things that will correct themselves over time, things that you don't really worry about long-term. But the bullpen is an issue now. It's starting to become an issue, and it's because the arms that you were expecting to lean on are not producing for you. Most notably, one A.J. Mentor. Most notably, A.J. Mentor. The one good thing about the bullpen, fewest walks in baseball. The Braves bullpen has issued only 47 walks through 150 innings. 
by far the fewest in baseball. So that's good. Danny Young was decent again Monday night. He's had four straight scoreless outings. So, I mean, I think he's okay in a mop-up role. Iglesias at the closer spot, like you can't freak out about that yet. Come back to me next week. Two straight bad outings for him, but before that, he was lights out for two outings. So, you know, let's give him a little more time here. He's only a week into it. But Minter, we've seen it now. Something's up. And if he, this is what I talked about. When he was in the closer's role, struggling, the hope was that when he got reduced back to a sixth inning, seventh inning role, that he would deliver like he once did. But that's not the case. He's pitching the same way he did when he struggled in the closer's role. And if you don't think he's important, listen to this. A.J. Minter was the winner, the loser, or the saver in eight of 14 Braves games before Monday. Eight of the previous 14 games, A.J. Minter earned the win, he earned the loss, or he earned the save. That's more than half your games, and I'm not even a math guy. Eight of 14, he fucking matters. Whether he's good or bad, he matters a great deal. So if they can't figure him out, they better figure something out. And what's the one thing that every contender always needs at the trade deadline? Relievers. If I know Alex Anthopoulos and he's considering adding to this bullpen via trade, which I don't know that he is, but if he is, I would bet that it comes sooner rather than later. I would bet that it, it comes way before the trade deadline. But at some point, Minter has to get figured out one way or the other. Because he feels like a fulcrum in the middle of that bullpen. Like if he's great, then now you can shuffle this guy here. You put this guy here. You piece, 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 piece here. But if he's bad, now you've lost a lefty. You've lost a setup, man. You've lost a late inning leverage guy. Who do you got? I mean, who's the lights out guy down there? Not a lot. And with Freed and Kyle Wright down for the foreseeable future, it's not like you got a great rotation. Thank God for Charlie Morton. Thank God for Spencer Strider and Bryce Elder. Who knows where they would be? But, you know, for me, it's like, if you're not going to do something to address four and five in the rotation, you had better do something to address innings five, six, and seven in the bullpen. I like Jimenez. I like Danny Young. I like Nick Anderson. I like Michael Tonkin. I like Iglesias. I like McHugh. I like Chavez. They don't have a lights out guy. They don't have one. So that's a hole. That's not like something that's going to correct itself. That's a hole. Can they keep winning without it? Probably. Probably. But man, I mean, I don't know that like in a short series or in, in, you know, the dog days of the summer, that's what they want to be rolling out. So they're Tuesday, Wednesday, Texas, off day Thursday, 
three at home versus Seattle, three at home versus the Dodgers, then four versus the Phillies next weekend. We'll get Mike Anthony on to talk type up that series next week before. Um, Marcelo Zuna, and then we'll close up on the Braves. Just an update on this guy. In the month of May, six homers, 12 ribbies. His walk rate up by 10 points. His whiff rate down by 10 points from last year. Whiff rate, by the way, just every time you swing the bat, whether you miss or not. So there are like signs there, right? Right? Am I crazy to think that? Like, that's okay. I mean, I don't know that Eddie Rosario was like making you regret taking, taking him out of the lineup. Kevin Pillar's hitting the ball well. But Ozuna, we're, like, we're going to have to at some point get over the fact that he's around because he is around and he seems to be staying. So it's only a good thing that he produces. I, I think some Braves fans kind of like don't want him to produce because he's a shitty guy from the outside looking in. But every single player that plays with him loves him. I mean, they all do. It's, you know, that kind of stuff. Players don't lie to you about that kind of thing. You can sort of see when they like or don't like a player. Just ask Fernando Tatis. Um, All right. What else on the Braves? I think we can wrap up on the Bravos here. Michael Soroka, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. He's still not ready. He's pitching in the minors. They say he's still not ready. You know, I'm so over that. I'm just so over that. All right, the NBA playoffs conference finals have arrived, folks. Miami Heat, Boston Celtics, Eastern Conference Finals. But it begins Tuesday night with the Lakers and Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. Um, Before that, Game 1 tips off, by the way, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, uh, NBA Draft Lottery. Basically, the Victor Wimbenyamba. I think that's how you pronounce it. We got another Giannis on our hands. He's just going to be called Victor forever. Victor Wimbenyamba sweepstakes for the NBA draft lottery on Tuesday night. That'll be fun. Um, Lakers, Nugs, Tuesday, Heat Celtics, Wednesday, and then basically every other day for the rest of this week. Um, let's start with Lakers, Nuggets. I don't have a lot of thoughts. It's just LeBron. He's the only, it's LeBron. Keeps me up at night. It's the only thing I think about. I'm glad the Celtics got through the Sixers, but I can just feel LeBron looking. He's been there for a month. I, I called it for a month, called it a month ago. This is how it happens. This is how it happens. It seems like the Lakers just out of nowhere have become a team that can legitimately win a world title. I mean, it's all pointing towards it. Same four teams, by the way, that made the conference finals in 2020 is a bubble year. Guess who won the world title? Lakers, LeBron, Anthony Davis. So obviously, as a Celtics fan, I'm rooting for the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets can win that series. I wouldn't be shocked if they did. But I'm picking the Lakers. I'm picking the Lakers to win that series. I don't see how you couldn't pick the Lakers. 
what the Nuggets did in game seven or what the Nuggets did to close out the Suns the last two games, beating the hell out of them was impressive as shit, especially the way Devin Booker was playing. But LeBron ain't going out like KD, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. Like he's tougher than all those guys combined. And it's just not going to go down like that. And LeBron is such a, like a basketball genius. You know, let's be clear here, as we always have, LeBron is a great A douchebag, but he's a basketball genius. And it just seems like he's going to figure out a way to beat the Nuggets, even if Nikola Jokic goes off every game. I mean, he's incredible, obviously. I can't wait to watch that series. Miami and Boston, we got a lot of storylines here. A lot of storylines. First off, we got players versus coaches. Who has the coaching advantage in the Miami Heat-Boston Celtics series? There's no doubt in my mind it's Miami Heat. And at this point, I am willing to safely say, I don't think I'm alone here, Eric Spolstra is the best coach in the National Basketball Association. The Celtics, meanwhile, I would argue have, you know, not a liability at the head coaching spot, but certainly a guy, not a tested guy. Never been here before. There's been plenty to question along the way. The question with Joe Mazzulla, the head coach of the Celtics, has never been his adjustments game to game. He's actually pretty good at that. The Sixer series proves that. They moved Rob Williams, Time Lord, into the starting lineup. Derek White off the bench basically shrunk the rotation to a six-man rotation. You could call it seven if you want, but Grant Williams was absent. He shrunk the rotation, he changed the starting lineup, and they won the series. The question with Joe Mazzulla has always been, this whole year, in-game adjustments, timeout usage, play calling and and non-play calling, letting the guys play versus drawing up sets, challenges, these kinds of things have left a lot to be desired with Joe Mazzulla. You know who never, ever, ever, ever makes mistakes in-game? Eric Spolstra. He's also pretty damn good at prep, He's all, and he's had plenty of time to get ready for the Cs. He's also pretty damn good at game-to-game adjustments throughout a series. But I think the Celtics have the clear advantage in terms of talent on the court. So it's coaching versus players. Jason versus Jimmy. Jason versus Jimmy. Battle of uh, fringe. You know, I, I would say fringe elites. I think Tatum in game seven. By the way, a historic game seven for him. Most points all time in a game seven. Steph Curry had that record for 36 seconds. And then Jason Tatum broke it. Probably the greatest Celtics playoff performance. Maybe since Bird. Bird and Dominique in, in what was it, 88? 80, 88. 86. Something like that. 
Best Celtics playoff performance in a long, long time. Long time. But is he a top five guy? He was a first-team All-NBA player. But when you're talking about Jason Tatum versus Jimmy Butler, playoff dogs, it's Jimmy Butler who has the advantage there. Jimmy Butler has knocked off so many players that are, I think, widely believed to be better than him in his playoff career, including Jason Tatum, including Jalen Brown in 2020. Again, bubble, so it doesn't count, but we've seen it before. I'm excited to watch Jason versus Jimmy. Uh, to uh, to, to uh, get in the mud, guys, it's a nice way of putting it. Kyle Lowry, Marcus Smart. If we ever get to see them match up, that should be good. Maybe put some prop bets on the over-under of uh, flops from those two guys combined. I think um, like Bam versus... Robert Williams and, and Al Horford, you know, and that crew versus Miami's interior. That's intriguing to me. But for Miami, as a Celtics fan, they've worried me for a while now. It, it, it all comes down to them making or missing. Struess, Duncan Robinson, I mean, guys like that. Like if they're, if they're making shots, which they didn't make shots most of the this season. And that's why they found themselves one game away from being eliminated. Remember they lost to the Hawks in the playing game? Seems like forever ago. Well, now they're four wins away from the NBA finals, folks. Pretty wild to consider given where they were at. Game one Wednesday, I think the Celtics are roughly seven point favorites in that one. Um, Like I said, NBA draft lottery Tuesday night. I think that's it from the league. Oh, yeah, John Morant. John Morant's still doing his gun thing. What a dumbass. What an absolute idiot. I mean, unbelievable that that happened again. Not going to spend time talking about it, but pretty wild that someone could be, I guess, that oblivious. Oblivious. What's the opposite of oblivious? Tuned in? On point? These are all terms to describe John Carr, the number one realtor in the world, and he is here in Savannah helping you buy or sell real estate in this area. Give John a call today, 912-228-0916. Find him on Facebook and Instagram. He's with Seaport Real Estate. He wins their Realtor of the Month twice a month, every month. For four and a half years now. Yep. Let me check the notes here. Yeah, four and a half years now. John Carr, just winning Realtor of the Month because he's helping people sell their houses and he's helping people get into houses in the Savannah area. Give him a text. Give him a call. Tell him Hot Grits sent you. 912-228-0916. Our guy, Johnny Carr, a pretty good golfer too. And a pretty big golf tournament coming up this weekend. PGA Championship 2023 has arrived, folks. First round on Thursday in Rochester, New York at the Oak Hill Country Club East Course. 156 players, including defending champ Justin Thomas, and including 49 
of the top 50 players in the world, according to the official world golf ranking. A couple storylines here for the PGA Championship to monitor. Um, Justin Thomas, defending champ. This is a par 70, 7,400 yards. One of these, um, one of these majors to, to have randoms win feels like it's the PGA Championship. That's where the random people get their wins. But when you look at recent history, it has, that hasn't really been the case. Recent winners of the PGA Championship, starting with 2022, going backwards. Justin Thomas, Phil Mickelson. Colin Morikawa, Kepka, Kepka, Justin Thomas, Jimmy Walker. So there's a random one in 2016. Jason Day, 2015. Rory McIlroy, 2014. So those are Hall of Fame type names. I'm also just noticing here one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven consecutive American victories at the PGA Championship. Uh, another storyline, Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth looking to complete the career Grand Slam. Masters in 2015, U.S. Open in 2015, and British Open in 2017. He will try and become the sixth player ever to have a career Grand Slam. Woods, Nicholas, Player, Hogan, and Saracen. None of those guys completed the career Grand Slam at the PGA Championship. So Spieth could make history here this week in New York. Um, he has not played well of late at the PGA Championship. To be clear, and look, it's his last major came six years ago. For him to pull this off would be, would be something special. Uh, number four ranked golfer in the world, Pat Cantlay. He'll be with Joey LaCava on the bag. Tiger Woods is former caddy. Um, that, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, another storyline, Jason Day won last week. He will try and become the first player to win a tour event and win a major the following week since 2014 when Roy McIlroy did it. And guess which major that was? Yep, the PGA Championship. Favorites, Scotty Scheffler, seven to one. John Rahm, seven and a half to one. And then let's look here. Let me get into the notes. The notes, folks. Scheffler, seven to one. Rahm, seven and a half to one. Uh, Xander, 16 to one. Cantlay, 16 to one. Finau, Kepka, 22 to one. JT, 28 to one. J Day 28 to 1. And Victor Hovland is 30 to 1. How about some picks here, folks? How about some picks here? Um, I got them written down. Let's do um all right, let's do picks to win. I'll give you a favorite, uh, some mid-levels and a long shot. Xander Shoffle is my pick to win the PGA championship this weekend. Uh, ten dollars on him. To win hmm, 170 payout. I guess that makes sense. Okay. Xander Shoffley, $10, 170 payout. Uh, if you're going to go mid level, Finau and Kepka, 22 to 1. And then a long shot, 
possibly Tommy Fleetwood, 60 to one. Um, he's been playing well of late. And, you know, it feels like he has to win a PGA tournament at some point in his life, right? Right? Um, all right, what about this parlay here? I love this parlay. Plus 4,000, folks, a 40 to one A 40 to one here. $10 on this pays out 410. Scheffler, top five. Matt Fitzpatrick, top 10. Ricky Fowler, top 20. A $50 bet on this wins you $2,000. That's a parlay for Scotty Scheffler to finish top five, Matt Fitzpatrick to finish top 10, and Ricky Fowler to finish top 20. If Fowler sounds weird to you there, don't let it sound weird because he's playing well. He's starting to creep. Like TLC, he's starting to creep. Five consecutive top 20 finishes. Last time out, tied for 14th. He's back in the top 50 of the OWGR, the official world golf ranking, for the first time since 2020. I like Fowler this week a lot. I like Fowler a lot this week. If you can find anything with him to finish top 20, I'd put a little chunk of change on that. Why not? All right, PGA Championship this weekend. Um, Oak Hill. So on ESPN, Thursday, Friday, 1 o'clock to 7 o'clock. Saturday, Sunday, ESPN, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then CBS takes over over the weekend, uh, 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. Of note, local guy Brian Harmon, 250 to 1, 250 to 1. Don't like those odds. I do not like those odds. Patty Reed, 100 to 1? That's enticing. I like Cam Davis, too. You can get a, um, you can get a Cam Davis top 20 at plus 500. That's $20 to pay out 120. Ricky Fowler's top 10, by the way, to finish in the top 10, Ricky Fowler plus 550. That's a $20 bet to pay out 130. Hello. That might be my bet. Ricky Fowler to finish in the top 10. All right, PGA Championship this weekend. That's our preview for that. We'll wrap up now with some local notes. The Lady and Sons Restaurant, a segment sponsor here on the Hot Grits Podcast, 102 West Congress Street, Lady and Sons. You guys probably know the name, Paula Dean, Jamie Dean. Uh, they have their restaurant, obviously, at 102 West Congress Street, but then the store right next door, literally right next door to the restaurant, also on Congress Street, open seven days a week, 11 to 9. Monday through Thursday, and then 11 to 10 on Friday and Saturdays. 912-233-2600. 912-233-2600 is the number for Lady and Sons. Find them on Facebook and ladyandsons.com. All right, local segment to wrap up. 
Uh, Savannah Christian baseball got swept in that three game series. They lost the first two games last Saturday to Ringgold. Um, tough, tough loss. They lost one nothing in game one and four to three in game two, four to three in eight innings. So extra innings in game two. Um, their loss led me to think about when the last Savannah team to win a GHSA state title in the big three sports were. Okay, so obviously that's Benedictine. So who's the last big three sports team from Savannah to win a GHSA state title? Big three, baseball, basketball, football. Well, if you want to count girls basketball, Johnson girls 2018-2019 back-to-back. But other than that, the most recent Savannah GHSA big three state titles are 2022 BC football. I'm sorry. Yes, 2022 BC football this year. Last year, BC football. 2021 BC football. Then, before that, 2018 Benedictine. Twenty seventeen Savannah Christian baseball. So I think that's the last time that we've seen a GHSA state title in a boys GHSA big three sport. So it's been mostly BC. We need it's time that we get back in the winner circle here uh in boys basketball, man. Twenty fifteen Jenkins Warriors, that was the last time. But BC, make no mistake about it, they are running this city right now, folks. Four out of the last five boys GHSA state championships have come courtesy of the Benedictine Cadets. Spring football this week, Thursday, Savannah Christian will have its uh, spring scrimmage, 7 p.m. Pooler Stadium. Uh, I think, what do they call that? Is it the red and white game? Red and white game, maybe? So that's at Pooler Stadium, 7 p.m. Friday. Country Day and Jenkins will play in a little exhibition rendezvous at Daffin Park at 7 p.m. Jenkins and Country Day did that last year over at Jenkins. It'll be interesting to see that game again this year. So, again, that's Friday, Daffin Park, 7 p.m. Country Day and Jenkins playing a spring football scrimmage. BC is in the midst of their spring football game. Um, They are – or spring football camp, I should say. They're doing it in two-week stints. So this week, week one, they'll take the weekend off. Next week, week two for Benedictine. I don't know about Calvary, whether they're doing a spring game. I mean, I I know they're doing spring camp. Check in with them. I'm I'm not sure if they're doing a spring football game or not. Um, Okay. We'll wrap up there, folks. Thanks for hanging in. Episode 160.
Savannah's premier indoor baseball training facility, SBPA is owned and operated by Ross Howard, and together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year-round for baseball and softball players, full-length batting cages, pitching mounds, and a state-of-the-art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the Academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282 and visit the Savannah Baseball Performance Academy on Facebook for programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility, Ross Howard, our guy, give him a call, 912-484-5282.